Hello hockey fans and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News reporting live from the Stanley Cup Final. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Quinn Malarchek. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the MLB Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane's Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, everybody. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Chris Liza. We should have Mark Warner on any moment. Uh, looking forward to today's show. Uh, uh, we're going to have Rob Reese on from NHL.com. Uh, he's the fantasy editor out there, uh, over there, so we're very excited about that. Uh, just a couple quick footnotes. Um we were supposed to have Mark Scheich on last week, and we were supposed to have Zach Devine on this week. Unfortunately, something came up with both of them, uh, well, for Mark Scheich, literally at the 11th hour, so we apologize about that. We tweeted out they were going to be on. Uh, they both will be on sometime in February, probably different weeks. There's something to look forward to uh, to that as well. So uh, anyway, I'm uh, hoping uh, at any moment my uh, compadre will be uh, chiming in here. Um, so, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about the Vegas Golden Knights. We hit the, uh, actually, we hit the all-star break here in the NHL. Uh, pretty exciting, uh, what's going on when you really look at it. You know, obviously, you know, Arizona, Buffalo, and Ottawa, for sure, are waiting on the ping-pong balls in April. Everyone else, I mean, I know that Detroit and Montreal and Florida have a tough, Road. I'm not going to totally uh, bury. I mean, they're buried, but to say they're totally buried. I mean, they would have to all uh, have incredible finishes to have a chance at the playoffs. When you see that, as of uh, the All Star break, they're 12. Uh, in case of Detroit and Montreal, they're 12. Uh, excuse me, 10 points out of a spot, and Florida is 12. And there's a number of teams ahead of them, so it's going to take a pretty, pretty big effort uh, by them. Uh, Mark, yes, it are you is. there? Oh, geez, yes, thank sir. you. All right. <laughs> a little drama. <laughs> a little drama at the beginning of the show. Anyway. Uh, We're good. We're, we're good. We're used about... to it. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, uh, why don't we start going down the Vegas lane here and uh, the Golden Knights in first place in the Pacific, 68 points, which is tops in the West. Uh uh, second only uh, only to Tampa in terms of the lead, which is amazing. Nine point lead over the Sharks. They have a 11 point lead over the Ducks and the Kings, who are tied for fourth. I mean, you know, again, what are we going to say? I mean, I know they had a they didn't end the first half uh, the way they wanted to. Two one loss by I uh, forget who me right now, but um, you know what happens. Some, some so, team uh, looking for a new barn. <laughs> so you know, but uh, yeah, uh, what, what can game. you say? I mean, pretty good game. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, but things looking good. It will be interesting the next uh, month or so. I guess a little under a month now. The trade deadline, I think, is February 26th. So I think we're just under a month. With today being the 27th of January, and in that vein, we'll have Lyle Richardson of Specters Hockey on next week uh, to kind of break down the trade deadline a bit. So. Uh, 
you know, we, we as we relax this weekend, no no uh, hockey other than the All Star break games and skills competition. Uh, uh, what say you, sir, about your Vegas Golden Knights? Well, you kind of run out of run out of adjectives. They've obviously exceeded all expectations, defied everybody from day one in all aspects of what they're doing. Um, to the to the point where we wouldn't sell 5,000 season tickets, and they sold upwards of 15.5 uh, to the you know from from that day to forward, they've exceeded all expectations, logic, and reason. And it sometimes you just laugh and shake your head, and when you look at 19-3-2 at home with the best record in the National Hockey League and on home ice. Um, their next win ties Florida for most wins by an expansion team, and they've got, what, 30-plus 30, 30 games left to go to get one win, two wins to break that record. Um, we started the season, and, and I think we all agreed, you, me, and Dana, that this this was going to be a better team than, than most of, of – Twitter spear would have anyone believe that they weren't going to win any games and they were going to make last year's Colorado team look like um, a Stanley Cup team compared to what they were going to put on the ice this year. And, you know, we, I, 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 I said that they would be 70, 75 points. They would be better in the West than Colorado, Anaheim, or Colorado, Arizona, and Vancouver. And, Probably better than a couple teams in the in the in the East. And I thought they would finish anywhere between ninth and twelfth in the West, and seventy five points was a good goal. And if everything went right, they could be in the eighty five kind of point category. Um, and and I know you know if anybody thinks this is talking after the fact, go go back and listen to our Pacific Division preview show with Dana Lane and JD Styles also. Um, and you'll hear we're on record back then saying this is going to be a better team than most people thought. But obviously, no one thought it, they would they would lead the West by you know a comfortable margin. Be and you know you know what's interesting, Chris, is when you look look forward. Um, one of the one, another thing that they're proving wrong is that the the home ice advantage wouldn't exist in Vegas because the barn would be half full and the the people there would be all rooting for another team. Um, if this team does go on to, and there's a lot of hockey left to play, but if this team does go on to secure a first-round home series in the playoffs and gather that momentum, nobody wants to come to Vegas for a seven-game series if Vegas has home ice. I mean, so I'm not saying. Yeah, it will be. I'm just saying. It'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah, it will be interesting. I mean, uh, look. As you know, the playoffs are a whole different animal. Um, you know, yep. do, do you look at the teams? I mean, I guess they. I know, I know they had a little bit of bump in the road, but they finished up with a couple of wins, I think, right before the break. But other than probably Tampa Bay, uh, if you want to make that argument, um, the difference between all these teams is so minute. I, I, I mean, I don't think anyone. In, should be surprised whatever the first round matchups wind up being either in the east or in the west you know you're going to be looking at a long series and you know a bounce of a puck or the key deflection or key mistake and you know one you know is the difference will be the difference of a team moving on and team not so um i'm not trying to paint a picture of gloom and doom uh vegas very easily could uh could win their first round series and the fact that they do have home ice is obviously a, a big advantage. So, but you know, if they get like a Dallas in the first round, I mean, that's, you know, that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, in fact, Dallas has more points than any other Pacific division team other than Vegas. And they're in the number one wild card spot right now. So, uh, or they get an Anaheim or your King. So, you know, we'll take it one step at a time. And, uh, Look, if they make the playoffs, I mean, it's just been beyond all expectations, and and then you just take it from there. So, uh, uh, but yeah, it's hard. Like I said, it's going to be interesting these next this next month, and to see and read the rumors and the articles about 
what George McPhee is planning to do between now and the uh, trade deadline. I think he'll be a very cautious buyer. If I was a betting man, I'd say uh, he brings in, uh, you know, a veteran, a depth veteran kind of guy. Uh, unless there's a situation like a like a Hoffman out in Ottawa where he sees a chance to help his team for the next five years. So that, that you know, which has been uh, uh, put out there. So that that might be something to keep an eye out of out for. Yeah, that's um, all. All eyes are on him. Um, listening to local radio this week, Brian Brian Blessing, um, he had Dana Lane on a couple times this week, and looking forward to the the trade deadline and and what have you. And they're they're, they're pretty much saying what I've been saying is you got to be very careful about what you do at the deadline um, if you're George McPhee because you don't want to upset the apple cart in the room. Tremendous chemistry on this team. Everybody's playing for the guy next to him and the and the logo on the front of the jersey and not the name on the back if you want if you want to go down the road of cliches sir um and like you know obviously you mentioned in our in our show notes Evander Kane is going to be on the move that's not the kind of guy that you bring into a situation like this um i i just it has to be a fit i don't think you just you know like like we've said before you, you the plan had to be at the start of the season was to have James Neal and Perron until the deadline, move them for picks. They they don't have a third or a fourth, I think, in this coming draft. So you, you're thinking that they you could they bolster the top end of that draft. They have the fourth. Yeah, they have a the fourth. They don't. Right, right. So okay. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, they're not do that. obviously, they're, they're, that's they're the plan. Gonna, they're, they're, that's, that, they're past that. They're they're no, no, they're past that now. Even if. Even if they don't have a deal in place for Neil, they you take your chances and hopefully sign him at the end of the season. And if not, thank him, thank him to move along. I think. Um, do you want to get maybe a little grittier on your on your third line? I really love the way the fourth line's playing. Um, do you add maybe a third line depth forward with a little bit more grit, a little physicality, perhaps? Um, Maybe, maybe that's the kind of piece they're looking for. Maybe, and they just did bring up Jason Garrison this week to replace uh, Lucas Bisa on the roster, and he did get into the Islanders game, and he didn't look, you know, he's an NHL caliber stay-at-home defenseman. Maybe, maybe that's the kind of of addition you're, you're already doing it from within. So we'll we'll see Spisa's out for a while, and it looks like Garrison might be in in that defense slot for a while, and we'll see what kind of fit he is with the team. But I, I, you know, you don't. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And and so far, it's not broke, sir. I, I would I would agree. And obviously, you know, if you go back to the beginning of the season, they're easily one of one of the risers in the league right now. Uh, uh, what who who are your other risers, sir, in terms of this uh, where we're at at the All Star break? Well, what I wanted to do with this rising falling segment was to go back to our, our, our preseason preview shows and kind of highlight the teams that are unexpected. So when, when we were going through our, our preseason predictions and and you were really high on Winnipeg, they fulfilled your expectations. Um, we were both obviously down on uh, Arizona and Vancouver. So uh, kudos to you on the Winnipeg. I wasn't sold. I was a show me, don't tell me with Winnipeg. We've been waiting a couple of years for them since they kind of minor, you know, they retooled just a little bit. And we've been waiting a couple of years for that promise to be fulfilled. And, and uh, so far, so far they look like the, the new players in the central, right? So then you yep. look at the East and, and we knew Buffalo was going to be bad. We thought maybe Eichel could elevate them a little bit and, and get them up towards a, uh, a contending. That did not happen. And then in the Metro division, we, we both had Washington, Columbus, and Pittsburgh in any order um, in the top three. Well, I kind of thought Washington and Pitt would step back and that Columbus would take take the division, you know, take take over the lead in the division. And, you know, Pittsburgh struggled. They are oh. back in the playoff spot. They're third, third in the division. The, the Metro um, is nuts. The Metro is, is ridiculous. Bomber. There's no question. I mean, to put it in perspective, real quick, if the if the season were to end today, my Islanders would be out of the playoffs. Having said that, 
they're two points from being out of second place. I mean, that is that is right. that is ridiculous. Everyone That's in the division over five hundred. Yeah, yep. Carolina is in last place with hockey. fifty-two points. Sure. Yeah, I would, I would say. I, I, I would I, say. I, so. I think we thought it would be. Yeah. Um, so that that's uh, kind Central's of a close second. It, yeah, Central's a close second. Um, but go they, to have, West, they have one last team. Uh, obviously, the, the the one of the biggest risers in the West uh, from our expectations. Uh, Colorado Avalanche. Hats off to what yeah. they've been able to do since they they did get the the Duchesne monkey off their back. Um, we'll see how that that all winds up, but um, right right now um, they're just out of a playoff spot in the West. So after last season's debacle, that you you have to give the VGK is the the number one riser. I mean, let's let's face it. But Colorado gets the honorable mention there in the West for sure. Yeah, I mean, you got four teams at 57 points, and 57 points is the second wild card spot without getting into stage of the game tiebreakers. I mean, uh, you got Colorado and Minnesota at 57, as well as the Ducks and the Kings. And again, if the season were in were to end today, only one of those teams would make the playoffs. Uh, based on the ROW uh, tiebreakers. So, I mean, it is, again, it is just silly. And then the Blackhawks, uh, you know, a little bit above 500. You know, th- while they're only four points behind that 57 number, which is a playoff spot, they they have to pass four teams. So that's yeah. the then they're last in their division that they have to pass. Yeah, yeah. so that's uh, – that's uh, – that's a faller. You know, That's a faller, sir. It, and with Crawford, Crawford getting make, injured, I don't know where they go. Yeah, if they do not make the playoffs, you know, they made a lot of changes last year. Who knows what happens this offseason? I'm not I'm not calling for anyone's head or anything like that, but who knows? Who knows what happens out there? It's just, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's all about the second half of their roster, and it needs a lot of work, and – and and um, you know they have a lot of high priced players and uh, high cap players, I should say. And um, yeah, you know maybe Seabrook's he's going to have to look at moving one of them. Yeah, he hasn't had a yeah, and, and you can't. And, and he's he's signed a way overpriced for way too much term. That's a that's a bad contract. And I you know when we were doing our preseason show, I did not like the Panarin trade. I was I was you know, on record then that, that, and then when Hosa goes down, um, that's a yeah. whole lot of dynamic offense that's pulled off of that roster. And now, now Crawford going down, I, I don't see them making the playoffs at this point. And I, you know, you it's and hard to see with uh, all those who, other teams. Yeah. When, when you're doing that and you're obviously in the market for a goaltender to take you the rest of the way at, before the deadline, um, all the other teams in front of them playing good hockey right now. It's it's tough. You you and uh, Matt Pryor had Chicago falling in the preseason, and I I wasn't convinced. You know the, their track record of of winning Stanley Cups and retooling and keeping their players and moving forward despite the salary cap restrictions. Uh, best in hockey over the last fifteen years. I don't think you know. I don't I don't think that's debatable, but. I think the chickens may have come home to roost, and I'm on I'm on the board with you and Matt right now that Chicago's in a lot of trouble. And then the in the West, sticking in the West, and the other the other team that's been a big disappointment, and, and I'm on record, and, and I'll get your thoughts on the Edmonton Oilers, but that's a faller. That's that's falling, and I don't know where you go from there. Yeah, and McDavid's you know number, his cap number goes from a little under a million to twelve point five next year, so. They're going to be in yeah. the ultimate cap crunch as well. Yeah, again, it's it's having a deep enough team, and you know their defense is okay, but no one to. They don't really have anyone. They surely do not have a top uh, first pair defenseman, and no one kind of to blow your doors away, if you will. So they still need to get a little bit better on defense. They do not have enough uh, depth after their 
big guys, and, and obviously McDavid and Dreisaitl. Now they've lost Nugent Hopkins for the next six weeks, who is probably one of the few silver linings of this season. Um, uh, they have, uh, what's his name, who's going to be a USA, who they'll probably move. Uh, uh, oh, why? Oh, I'm sorry. It's been a long week. My mind is blanking of the forward. Um, anyway, anyway, so, yeah, it's, you know, they, for them, they're hoping it's going to be one of these one step back two steps forward, but nothing is guaranteed. Again, you look at you look at these teams, there's so many there's, there's very few bad teams. So the it's not like guaranteed, well they you know, they had a hiccup, they'll learn from it. I mean look at the Florida Panthers as an example. Two years ago they looked like the toast of hockey. They were gonna be um you know ready to take that next big step. They won the division. Absolutely. They lost in a tough first round series. Then they took a. They had a year. They didn't make the playoffs last year. Like, all right, well, maybe this is. You no, know, yeah, they'll be back. One step back, two steps forward. And this year is even worse than last year. So yeah. I know they have the best player in hockey, Edmonton, but um, <laughs> the competition is absolutely incredible uh, in the NHL right now. Well, so, with Florida going to the, going to the East, yeah, they're they're on the falling list today, sir. They, uh, you know. Kudos to their front office for sending Gerard Gallant to Las Vegas. Um, their front office screwed that whole thing up, and I don't mind saying they had some of the best talent, young guys. They drafted very well, you know, Ekblad and Huberto. Um, then I, I don't know what happened with, with I mean, behind the scenes in that front office, but to and, – and we talked about it in our preview show a couple years back was <coughs> when they started retooling the defense – and you know it took that that was i didn't like those moves at the time and starting out 11 and 12 cost gallant his his job there in florida very ignominiously if you will um and they haven't righted the ship they're i i don't i don't know what you do you have some two you know two three four of the best young players and matt Pryor will agree with that um coming up in the National Hockey League and they just there's no cohesion on the ice with that unit and maybe playing in front of a half empty barn every night has something to do with it um but there's just no no energy there um they did beat the Knights I'll say that but that's after that you know that's if you're in Vegas and, and they go in and they beat Tampa and you know it's targeted as for, you know the the one two team in the National Hockey League that's a big game so in Vegas, you're looking for a letdown yeah. game. Well, the very next night, you go to Florida, and you fight your way to a point in overtime. Um, that's a classic letdown game in that spot. That's not indicative of the Knights or the Panthers, for that matter. Well, yeah, third game in four nights. Third game so, in four nights for the Knights, if I remember. Yeah, and yeah. what's interesting about the but Panthers I, Florida's is they've signed, the they've, signed, they've signed a lot of these guys with very long-term contracts, so – you know, yeah. I'm not saying that they're having all having bad years, but you wonder, yeah, you know, they're all set from that standpoint. I, I mean, I, I don't know where they go. I mean, uh, to me, Luongo and the <laughs> Reimer is, you know, not good enough. And Luongo being uh, near 40 now, almost 40 years of age, but he signed for a few more years with that crazy contract. Reimer got a five-year deal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. It, it, the sum does not... I, I don't like the whole. I, I you know I think it's gonna be tricky to kind of make like the, make moves down make moves down there. Now the one uh, saving grace is uh, of all the divisions, I think they're in the best division to kind of to kind of rebound because you know Tampa looks right. real good in good shape for now in the, the in the near future. Um, as you know, Boston, Toronto, you know, in good shape, not as good in my opinion, but. I, they're in the right division to try to right the ship, but they have to make some tough calls, and maybe they move one of them in the off season. One of those, one of those kids. I, I don't know. I don't know where you could go with with that team. To be honest with you, it's it's kind of a head scratcher. I mean, I understand what we've said before about all these teams and um, and where, how competitive it is, but no, they're at forty four points. I mean, if they were at fifty four points and you're like, well, they're just story, right? out of it, and you know, 
Right, but right. They're, they're, they're at 44 points and playing in the worst division in hockey. You know, I mean, not for yeah. nothing, but, you know, like you want to say Chicago, want to get on them for the year they had. Well, guess what? You know, they, they, they're playing – they're not playing Winnipeg or Nashville. They're playing Minnesota or Colorado. You want to get on, let's say, the Islanders or Rangers. You know, they're not playing Washington or Columbus. They're playing the Devils or the Flyers. You know, uh, in the case of Florida, you're dealing with – you know, Detroit and the Montreals and, you know. Ottawa and Buffalo. And Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the three worst teams in hockey are, are Arizona, <laughs> Buffalo, and Ottawa this year. And two of them are in the, your division. So, you know. Yeah. And the fact Baller. that you add all that up and they're at 44, that, that says a lot to me about where the Panthers are at. No, I agree 100%. Let's stay in that division and catch one of the risers in the East, too. We'll go on to uh, – I, I kind of targeted Boston to be kind of where they were last year, fighting to get in towards the end of the season. Yeah, and all I they've done since coming. December 16th is go 14-2, and two. okay? Um, and maybe maybe strength of schedule, like you were just talking about, has something to do with it. But uh, Rask is in the top ten in every – Every goal hitting category uh, there is winning save percentage. He's on fire. That that first line is is dynamic. Um, they're got a plus forty goal differential on the season. They're eight eight zero oh, and two in their last ten five in a row going into the break. Um, did not see they're that. Enough, I mean, that's a definite rising. They're getting a nice blend of production from their veterans and some of their young guys as well. Uh, you know, and thoughts and prayers after Charlie McAvoy, who had a little bit of a, well, you know, when it doesn't happen to you, you could say you had a small heart procedure. You know what I mean? Um, but um, Is there like such a thing? And, <laughs> yeah, no, I know, really. But it didn't, from the article I read, it didn't sound, you know, like a horrible situation, but it sounds like he'll be back in the next three weeks or so, believe it or not. And they knew this is something he had going back, I think, to November. But, um, yeah, it is really incredible and uh, where they're at. And I would say if there's a team out there that if I, I was going to circle of being aggressive at this deadline to make a move to either get uh, a, a Mike Green or a Vander Kane type, uh, I would bet on Boston, uh, depending upon what they, what they need. I could see them making a push, if you will. Yeah, what kind of – what kind of places, if you're Boston, are you are you thinking about giving up for? Let's just say Evander Kane. Are you going to go into your farm system? I would and, say Mike prospect. I'd up? be more interested in Buffalo's Mike. going to want, uh, right? Yeah, I'm, I would say I'd be more interested in Mike Green if I was Boston. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I would say a little Mike more Green, depth on defense, a little more dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, power but, play help. Know, so, although there are. Again, look, it's going to come down to what team is going to be willing to offer the best package of picks and prospects or picks alone or prospects alone. And, you know, who's going to be willing to um, any up the most because they think they have the best chance and uh, to have a big spring in the playoffs and, and have more of a go-for-it mentality. I mean, I think if you're Buffalo with Evander Kane, if you're Detroit with Mike Green, you're hoping that one team, and we have a lot of teams here with high with high hopes yeah. and things are very wide open, at least one team is going to, uh, you know, uh, want to win that race, be it if it's they feel like Mike Green's their guy or if they feel Evander Kane's their guy. And, you know, and, and still, let's say the fair market value for those guys is, a second-round pick, and, uh, and uh, you know, a, a real strong prospect. They're hoping someone goes to a first-round pick and uh, a blue-chip prospect. So um, we'll have to see how that plays out. I think both those teams are in a good spot from a seller standpoint, unless the, the whole league just draws the line and says, no, this is our top offer, and and, and that's it. So. Well, real quick before Rob Reese from NHL.com joins us here on the Vegas Hockey Podcast, the last follower on the list that I have, and I'm not sure how they got here, the Montreal Canadiens. 
I had them pegged to be in the top three in the division again. They really haven't gone through uh, major injury trouble. Um, very disappointed in the Montreal Canadiens this year, and and I thought I thought maybe maybe Julian would, uh, you know, with a little more time with the team, and you know, they're we everything we just said about the Panthers, they're two points in front of the Panthers in a bad division. Um, I, I don't know what's happening in Montreal, but that's another team that needs to take another hard look at itself, one, and they're probably in, looking at selling. In one sentence, I would say just not enough scoring and just not deep enough on defense. And I, and I know it's early, and you're dealing with young players, but right now, that ruin for circuit check trade looks awful. Uh, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago on the show, and, and I mean, Sergeyev has better numbers than than Carlson and Drew in offensively and plus minus. Um, yeah. And oh my goodness, Tam- Stevie Y again, right? I mean, the, everything that guy touches seems to turn to gold, and, and oh, one of the better players turned front office personnel general manager in you know, let's say National Hockey League history. Um, he he has it working in Tampa. There's no question about that. Um, but, yeah, deals like the Sergachev deal, or I don't know. They'd have more – Montreal would have more offense if they would have just kept the defenseman. Yeah. <laughs> That's how that trade looks for Montreal right now. And that's just a, a just one one note in a long series of of missteps by the Montreal Canadiens, and I don't know. Well, we've got Rob Reese on the line here from NHL.com. He is their fantasy editor over there, and you can follow him on Twitter at Rob or at NHL Reese R E E S E. Rob, welcome to the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and thank you for taking some time on this Saturday morning to. Talk a little fantasy hockey with us, sir. Hey, guys. Good to be here. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to throw this to Chris, my co-host. This is Mark, and, and I'll, I'll let Chris kick off the fantasy hockey talk. Um, Chris, why don't you dive right in and get us started? Sure. So, Rob, uh, in terms of, you know, we're about, I guess, what, 60% into the season now? Um the, we're making the final push here. What should fantasy owners be focusing on uh, post All Star break regarding their teams? Yeah, the thing is, um, the number one thing that jumps to mind is the schedules. And um, Pete Jensen and I put out a piece um, late last night. We spent a lot of time uh, doing a deep dive on each team's schedule. And I think now in the fantasy season is that time where. You know, you really have to start planning. If you're, the, if you're that team that's right on the cusp of the playoffs or you're just hanging on to one of the first seeds in the playoffs, you really got to look at the schedules. And I think there's a couple teams that we identified um, as definite targets. Uh, Anaheim Ducks have a great schedule. Uh, Florida Panthers have a great schedule. Um, Tampa has a very favorable schedule. So I would really be looking at that um, – to see where you can get some advantage, you know, teams with high back-to-backs, knowing that you should pick up, you know, maybe a guy like Ryan Miller. Um, he's only 23% owned on Yahoo. Um, stuff like that that will really give you the edge now so that you can find yourself with a little bit of breathing room going into the last, you know, week or so of the regular fantasy season. You know, Rob, uh, before the season started, being out here in Long Island, uh, New York, and I, I Mark, uh, I uh, could tell you I've been talking about Matt Barzell for the last couple of years. And, uh, and you know, even I, with my orange and blue sunglasses on as Russ Cohen of Sportsology, <laughs> who do, uh, likes, likes to say about me, could not envision the year that Barzell has had as a rookie. Am I, how, am I out of line saying that this time next year that both from a fantasy perspective as well as, you know, pure NHL hockey, real life perspective, that Matt Barzell will be considering him will will be considered a superstar. 
Oh, I mean, he is absolutely um, in that conversation. I mean, you look at the stats, uh, they speak for themselves. You know, five on five points um, this season leaders, McKinnon, Kucherov, McDavid, and Matt Barzell. I mean, it's incredible. And then rookies with 50 points and 50 games. In the last 20 years, you've got Ovechkin, Crosby, Malkin, and Barzell. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, I remember watching him uh, last season. It was his first game. It was like when they were trying to figure out, you know, if they were going to keep him up with the big club or not. And I believe on his first shift, he took a slashing penalty against Alex Ovechkin. And I'm like, so I was like, oh, you know, I got to, you know, I got to look at this kid's junior numbers. And it's unbelievable. Um, This kid's been a scorer in every level of play. Um, He skates he's probably the best skater in the league. I mean, listen to, listen to what other players around the league say about him after they play um, against the Islanders. They say that all you see is his jersey flying up in the air and he's just streaking down the wing, you know, cutting through the center. His edge work is phenomenal. So I think stats aside, you notice this kid on every shift. And that's usually a pretty good indicator that this kid's going to be a star. All right. Well, with, with, Keeping in mind just highlighting individual players, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about Carlson out here in Vegas and the season that he's had so far, what percentage of, of teams is he owned on now and is is his value going to continue on for the rest of the season in both the, the season long and also since the, the daily fantasy sports with the DraftKings and, and, and so on and so forth, um, his value to that kind of of fantasy player as well. Yeah, William Carlson has been an absolute steal um, this season for fantasy owners. You know, just um, his high, you know, scoring chance percentage, his shooting percentage is absolutely uh, insane. He's shooting 26.7%, which is unheard of. Um, So that, you know, in my opinion, I think that will regress a little bit. you know, I mean, if he's he's only he's almost 80% owned in Yahoo. So, you know, that's pretty much says that any league where people manage their lineups, uh, he's not available. So, you know, you can't get this guy anymore. You could trade for him. Maybe you're looking to deal him if you think his shooting percentage is going to come crashing down. Um, I don't. I think that, you know, he could finish shooting around 20% this year. Um, a guy that he reminds me of a little bit is Anders Lee with the Islanders, who kind of has that career high average right around 15% for shooting. And, you know, he's, I mean, Anders Lee scored 34 goals last year, you know, shooting close to 18%. So I think William Carlson sort of has that ability where he gets himself into areas where he's just going to score. He doesn't need to take a ton of shots to do that. Um you know, I think the chemistry that he's formed with his line mates is also very indicative that his play will continue. Um, you know, do I think he's going to get 40 goals this year? I'm not sure. Um, but Vegas does have a pretty bo- pretty favorable schedule, like we were talking a little bit earlier. Um, you know, so I could certainly see it, it happening. One other thing, too, about Carlson um, that surprises me is that his power play uh, numbers aren't that impressive. So he's just an absolute dominant player, five on five, um, you know, which is, which is great for, which is great for fantasy, but it certainly bodes well for the Vegas Knights. Um, probably the best five on five club this year. Uh, it's Chris again, Rob. Yeah, you know, absolutely. uh, if I, if I were to say to you, Rob, over, you can have one of these guys for your fantasy team over the, for the next three years. And that's, Bosner in Vancouver, Keller in Arizona, or DeBrincat in Chicago. Who are you picking and why? Well, I think, you know, DeBrincat had that great hat trick the other night. It's good to see him get going. Um, Kid's going to be a great player in Chicago for years to come. But I'm absolutely taking Brock Besser. I mean, this kid, his freshman year at North Dakota – he absolutely lit it up, led the, led the team in points. And, you know, you're seeing it's a totally seamless transition after two years of college hockey. A um, couple games at the end of last season where he scored, I think, like four goals in nine games. So you knew it was coming. And then this season, um, I think Travis Green, you know, the coach for the Canucks, has a way of just getting these players to really find their game, um, you know, to compete on every single shift. Um, 
and I'm absolutely going to take Brock Besser. I mean, this kid is a goal scorer through and through. His shot is unbelievable. Um, he's got all those little tools. He gets pucks out of the corner, and then he finds himself in these wide open areas uh, right between the dots. And you're you're thinking, you know, how is this kid open? But there he is. Um, and, you know, the, I guess the thing that, that is a little bit concerning about Besser, if you did have to say well, there's one downside, um, he is playing with Daniel and Henrik Sedin right now. You know, who knows if they're going to be coming back to Vancouver next year. But he also did form good chemistry with Sven Berchi, left winger. Um, he's a great player for fantasy as well. Definitely keep an eye on Sven Berchi next year if he's going to play with Besser. And then Bo Horvat. You know, if they could maybe do that Sven Berchi, Bo Horvat, Brock Besser line, I'm absolutely going all Tough in stuff. on that line next year for daily fantasy yeah. and for season-long formats. Like, invest now, buy while the stock is low, and go all in on it. You so, know, yeah, Rob, we're talking with Rob Reese and, and oh, go ahead. getting getting ready for the, the show this morning, I did look through the article you were talking about where it's it really is, you know, for people listening out there, if you're into the fantasy, either either daily sports or season long, um, make sure you go and look at that at NHL Reese on Twitter because he, he went through and, and broke down all 30 teams, what their schedule has in play, how it how it'll, it'll affect individual players, um, road, home, all kind of different factors went into putting this article together. It's an in-depth look at the remaining of the season, and if you're playing fantasy sports, it's a, it, it'll be a great tool for you to have uh, for the rest of the season. So I just wanted to say ma- make sure you guys go out and, and read that article because it's in-depth, um, an in-depth look at the remainder of the hockey season, and, and you'll be a better fantasy player for it. Um, since since you are with NHL.com, and, and obviously the story of the year is Vegas Golden Knights and what they've been able to do, I'd, I'd just like to hear what your water cooler talk is about the Golden Knights and George McPhee and the job that they've done uh, putting together this this product that, that's captivated Las Vegas. Yeah, the first thing uh, I want to say about the Golden Knights is George McPhee. Uh, what a commendable job he's done. Um, I worked with George uh, my Last year at Georgetown, he helped me write my thesis about the NHL expansion draft. And it's funny because he wasn't no way. yet a GM at the time. Yeah. But so he told me, he's like, you know, you might not be able to publish this thing if I end up, you know, becoming a GM or whatever happens. So I was like, okay, sure. You know, no problem. But the number one thing I have to say about George is that he is one of the most professional people I've ever worked with. Um, he's a guy that returns calls immediately, answers your emails right away. Um, even if he's busy, he'll let you know that he's busy. I mean, he's just a commendable professional. So I just want to say, you know, George McPhee, stand-up guy, but beyond that, um, his team did a phenomenal job evaluation. They took guys that like, look at their third line with Cody Eakin at center. Cody Eakin is a guy that George McPhee drafted when he was back with the Capitals. Um, Eakin played well for the Caps, ended up going to Dallas, the Dallas Stars for a few years after that. But it's just a great player that has, a, you know, that scoring upside on the third line, but also is a great two-way player, great shutdown guy, super hard to play against. Um, so, you know, just their whole lineup. You look at Pierre-Edward Belmar in the fourth line, Oscar Lindbergh. Absolutely. I mean, those are just quality Carry players in. that can game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They they can play 10 minutes, they can play 15 minutes, and you're not going to notice a dip in their performance at all. So it's really commendable. I think their, you know, their top line speaks for itself. Um, Riley Smith, absolutely great season. Uh, their second line with Perron and Neal on the wing. I mean, that is absolutely deadly. And, you know, I just, and their defense is solid too. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what they're going to, ha- you know, what's going to happen in the playoffs. Um, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury is not a goaltender you want to face uh, in the playoffs anymore. I know early in his career he had those games that, you know, we kind of get away from him. But, um, you know, after watching him last year just steal that series against Washington, um, especially in Game 7 when he robbed Ovechkin, I mean, this is just a team that you don't want to face. Um, it's 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 phenomenal. Well, real quick before I throw you back to Chris, um, one thing again, and, and I'll reiterate what you said about George McPhee. I, I mean, every, every time I've I've had the, the pleasure of, of dealing and talking with George McPhee, um, it's 
absolute stand-up guy. He, uh, the, the professional's professional. Uh, we, we had him on the show, and he, he said that one thing he learned working uh, with Pat Quinn early in his career was that you treat people with respect and dignity uh, from, the, from, the, from the owner to the puck guy all the way up and down the roster. That's, he, you know, he's, he said Paquin maybe is the finest guy that he's ever met in his life, and he's tried to model his professional persona after Paquin, and absolute professional guy. And, and you know, one thing, too, is, is to be a man, you got to, you know, admit your mistakes and move on from them, and there's no better example of that than, you know, signing Vadim Shipachov and realizing it wasn't going to work. There wasn't a fit with this team and, or this locker room and, you know, cutting ties and moving on. And, and, you know, I think he may have learned some of that through what he went through uh, later in his career with Washington and maybe trying to hang on, hang on a little bit too long to some of the guys. Um, that being, that being said, he, he has done a phenomenal job here in Vegas. So you're absolutely right about Mr. McPhee. I'll, I'll, I'll throw you back to Chris now. I know he's got a few more things before we wrap up. Hey, Rob. So earlier in the show, we were talking about Evander Kane and Mike Green. And to me, uh, when I look at both being unrestricted free agents, both are there for teams, you know, not going to make the playoffs. I guess Detroit is kind of on life support. I mean, they're only te- at 10 points as possible, but we're all a team and the big picture of where the franchise is at. Um, where, I mean, I, I am pretty, you know, pretty convinced that both these guys will obviously be moved before the deadline. Give me a scenario or two for each guy where you think they would be a, an ideal fit, the best fit for one of these uh, contending teams. For Evander Kane, I really like the San Jose Sharks. I think he I would look great. Uh, that top left wing spot. I know Timo Myers playing well. He's had a pretty good season, but you put a guy like Evander Kane there, you could slot him on the second line. If Hurdle shifts to center, you could, you know, I, I think he's, you know, would be the first line left wing, but that would absolutely be phenomenal. You know, whether he's playing with Pavelski and Bodker, whether he's playing, you know, maybe Hurdle shifts over, he's a tri eligibility player um, to center and Evander Kane, you know, is on his left wing uh, you know, they've got a good thing going there. I know that Joe Thornton, that, that's devastating news. Uh, but this is a deep team in San Jose. They've got guys that can play center. they got guys that can rise to the occasion. Their third line with Chris Tierney and Don Scoy, I really, really, really like both of those players. Um, for fantasy, I'll give them both a plug now. Those are guys that you're going to need in the second half of the season um, and come playoff time. And San Jose is a team that grinds it out. You know, they've got a guy like Joel Ward on the fourth line who was a proven player down the second half of the season. And then, you know, Evander Kane slots into that first power play, you know, with Brent Burns on the point. You've got a guy like Evander Kane, you know, teeing up, you know, his, his great shot. I mean, it, it, it would be unbelievable to see that. Um, going over to Mike Green, you know, I know that I've heard his name with Washington. I don't love that. I watch a lot of the Caps. I watch a lot of the Metro Division. Um, John Carlson has really nailed that pass to Ovechkin. That that uh, that power play unit is unbelievable this year, as good as ever. I know their percentage is down, but you know, don't sell the stock on them. Buy in now again. Um, so Mike Green, I don't really see a fit for him on Washington. If it happened, you know, sure, it would be great depth. But again, look back to last season with Shattenkirk, completely unneeded player on that Washington team last year. Um, the right. power play, you know, sh- sure, it was a threat. But honestly, give John Carlson the benefit. Um, and this season, he's in a contract year. So nothing's going to change with his performance. He's going to have a big, big, big second half here. And, you know, Green, you know, I could see him going to a number of teams. I, I personally like him on Detroit. Um, I think he's a solid fit there. He looks really good with those young kids on the power play with Athanasiu, with Dylan Larkin. Tyler Bertuzzi now is a great player. So, you know, I, I know, you know, we all like the trade speculation, but I really do like Green in Detroit. I think he's a solid fit there, even though, you know, they're not going to be contending. So, you know, I'm not I, – I like Mike Green a lot, but I just don't see that fit in Washington for him. 
what about Mike Green to the Islanders, which I've seen some rumblings about? Obviously, they lost Calvin DeHaan for the season, which is a big loss. They just got Johnny Boychuk back from injuries. They have Boychuk and Lenny, and you know they got a number of young guys on that team. Uh, and then the guys got like, and then they got guys like Kiki and Seidenberg. If you're Gart Snow, you're going to give up, uh, let's say, a, a good prospect and a second round pick for Mike Green. You think that would be a good fit? It'd be a great fit, you know, because their offense is so dynamic. Um, and the number one reason I would do that deal is because Nick Letty, up until around, you know, December 10th, this guy looked unbelievable. He was oh, doing yeah. everything. But you cannot, you cannot expect them to do that 82 games a year. you got to give them a little bit of help. And these guys like Sebastian Ajo, Ryan Pulak, they're great players. They're going to be there to stay. I mean, Pulak looks like he could quarterback the power play for the, you know, the next 10 years. But right now... I think Green would be a great fit there. You, you give Letty a little bit of you know relief. You get Mike Green on the number one power play. You get Letty on number two power play. You've got two units that can score at any time. Um, you know, arguably the best forwards in the league this year. The top two lines have been unbelievable. Uh, I think that's a great fit for Mike Green. I got one more for you before I let Mark finish up, and that is, you know, last year, Rob, uh, and I, I, I was, I, mean, I, I was, I thought they could be dangerous. And I, I know the way the seeding went, and and the brackets probably were a bit favorable for them. But uh, you know, Ottawa obviously getting to Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals, getting to overtime was a big surprise. They were a good team, but I don't think anyone at this time of year last year saw that one coming. Um, who, who do you have? If I said to you there's going to be one team this year, either in the East or the West, uh, that's going to be a you know going to be surprised uh, in this year's playoffs, like Ottawa was. Who's your who's your team this year? Uh, I would have to say the Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, I don't think anyone really? you know. Yeah, I would go with Carolina. I don't think anyone's coached the way that Guy Boucher really coached them down the stretch last year. They were playing a really tight style of hockey, not giving up a lot of opportunities. Um, obviously Carlson was playing out of his mind. Um, so that was a special situation there last year, uh, with Craig Anderson included. So, uh, I, I think Carolina, you know, could do something like that. I, you know, it's, it's either they do it or, or they fall off completely, but, um, kind of like Carolina's depth. I, I, I like that they can roll three lines, no problem. Kind of like Ottawa did last year as well. Um, they've got scores, you know, in Taravainen, Lindholm, Sebastian Ajo when he comes back. A guy like Justin Williams has had a quietly, he's had a really good season, uh, especially for fantasy. And then Jeff Skinner right now is on the third line with Stepniak and Derek Ryan. That's not too bad. Um, and then I would look like a guy you know, on the blue line, I would look at Justin Falk to say, hey, if they're going to do this, he's going to have a great, you know, end of the season run here. And that's a team that it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them come in at the eighth seed and then give the first seed, you know, maybe the second seed, uh, a lot of trouble in the first round. Real quick, I've been reading a lot of rumors about Noah Hannafin. Do you buy it? I'm being being available via trade. Uh, that's it's hard to say. Uh, I like Noah Hannafin a lot. I think you know his usage is is only going to continue to increase. He's only 21 years old. You know, he plays a solid, solid game. Um, Every season he's constantly finishing around, you know, 30, you know, points. Um, This season he's on pace to hit the 10-goal mark. And that, you know, it's never a fluke. You know, you can't, as a defenseman, if you score 10 goals, that says a lot. So, you know, it's it's interesting speculation. They have, you know, great, uh, you know, Jacob Slavin, uh, high-end player on the blue line, but, you know, Hannafin's a special guy, and those guys don't grow on trees. You know, I know that they've got Jake Bean coming up, um, you know, good kid that uh, played two years in a row at the World Juniors for Canada. He looks solid, but Noah Hannafin's a special player. And, and I, I, you know, I would have to I'd, – I'd, I'd have to – it had to be a pretty sweet deal to give him up. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, real quick before we let you go, we've only got a couple minutes left. Um for the remainder of the season, um, is there is there a sleeper out there that's kind of available, uh, not too much owned, but has been having a real solid season fantasy wise all year that you could get 
that uh, if you were if you were playing and you needed to adjust your roster a little bit, get a few more points. What what player would that be? Uh, Yevgeny Dadunov, no question, with Florida. He's about 23 to 25% owned, so he is out there. Um, he's a guy, pure goal scorer. He's playing on their top line, which, you know, again, uh, I know there's a lot of great first lines, but this line is pretty special. Dadunov, Barkov, and Bukestad. Um, you know, it's what his chemistry with Barkov is unbelievable. Um, they've got a great first power play unit with Yandel and Huberdo and Trocek, Barkov. And then Dadnov plays on the point there. So uh, I would definitely go after Dadnov. And the best, the icing on the cake to, to bring him in is that they play the most games in the last four weeks of the season. So this is a guy that maybe you have Phil Kessel on your team. Well, the Penguins play the fewest games in the championship week and in the quarterfinals. So if you bring in a guy like Dadnov now, you know, he's going to rack up some points by the end of the season. But those last four weeks, he can put your team over the edge, get you out of the quarters, and get you into the semis. And then if you get to the championship week, he's playing the most games. So I really, really, really like Evgeny Dadnoff. Wow, that surprises me that he's only 22% owned in the season he's having so yeah. far and, and where he's at on. Maybe it's just uh, overlooking the team and, and not necessarily looking for the hidden jewels on each team, uh, which is always a challenge with fantasy players. Uh, great insight, Rob. Great insight. And and thank you for coming in on Saturday, spending some time with us. Uh, we know we can follow you at NHL Reese on Twitter. Uh, anything else you want to get out there where people can find your stuff? Uh, I would just say we've got uh, my boss, Pete Jensen, is doing his uh, top 250 rankings. He's going to be putting that out later today. So, again, I, you know, if you're looking to pick up any players, you know, look at the bottom, you know, 250 to maybe 225 in that range. And I, there's going to be a lot of high-end players that could have big um, stretches here the last couple, you know, months of the season. So definitely look out for that. And uh, thank you guys so much for having me on. All right. Appreciate it. And we'll definitely have you back on again. It was great talking with you. And, and have a great day, sir. Hey, take care, guys. Thanks, Rob. All right. Well, that's I, – I can't believe Dadunov is available in, in – you know, he's only 22% yeah, owned in, in all those leagues. That's amazing. That is amazing. Uh, I, I don't know what the average of league size is these days, but, yeah, that is right. that is hard to believe at this point. Uh, at this point, even William Carlson only he, – he's, I think he mentioned 80% owned. Like, at this point, the, with the season he's having, well, he should be like – Ninety nine percent owned. I mean, uh, you know, but right, right. Uh, yeah, you know. So it was great to have Rob. Obviously, first time guest, and and look forward to having it, having great him job back on. And, great job by Mr. Yeah, Reeves. yeah. So uh, and you know, we like I said, we, we got a couple uh, minutes left, Chris. Just, yeah, well, I don't know if you heard the beginning of the show, but I mentioned about Zach and Mark Scheig, Zach Devon and Mark Scheig. Uh, yes, sir. With, uh, Something coming up at the 11th hour. We're going to have them both back in February. Uh, next week, we got Lyle Richardson on of Spectres Hockey with a breakdown, the trade deadline, talk, uh, see, you know, who who's, who are going to be the pieces that are moved um, from the Mike Greens, the Vander Keynes. Will there be a surprise or two? Will someone like Max, Max Pacioretty be moved? Will someone... That's what interests me about this deadline. Will will a team like Montreal, or Florida, uh, change things up and move someone uh, that you didn't expect? Um, you know, Arizona. There's really not much there, to be honest. And you know, after Kane and Green, I, you know, and I guess Ottawa is the the wild card as well. So, um, so that's going to be that will be an interesting time for sure. Talking with absolutely, uh, Lyle, absolutely. It was great having him back on in early December. So, um, yeah, that should be a good good talk. And then we get back to hockey uh, early next week, sir. Yep. Well, make sure you guys all follow us on, on iTunes, uh, Vegas Hockey Podcast, all one word. Uh, you can catch our show on Grandstand Sports Net with Chad DiDominici. cool over there. That's a great website. And also uh, Russ Pollen, Russ Pollen as sportsology.com and and at the hockey writers as well it has our show up over there with a bunch of other really good podcasts so make sure you go to the hockey writers.com and check. 
So, or Chris, I'm Mark. We're out of time for this week, and we're gone.